episode 35. In the trap. Welcome to Myths. I'm Matt Hoss. And I'm Dan Rhodes. Whether you know about Theseus or you're revising your syllabus. If you want tales with a bit of jest or you just want to hear about incest. What? What? It's really interesting. Welcome to Myths. Welcome to Myths. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Myths. You keep on doing that, Dan, and I've had to reprimand you so many times. Put down episode 4 trumpet. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it, but I'm going to allow you that one time, Dan, because I'm back from the end of a fringe. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, did you miss me, podcast viewers? I can assume that's a yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. I said you said that like all the other episodes have just been me. <laughs> uh, did you miss me, Dan? Yes, man, I did miss you. Uh, what was your favourite thing about me being in, in Edinburgh for a whole month? That I didn't have to edit podcasts every week. Well, you didn't have to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying, oh, thank God you... Uh, uh, thank God... I, I can't think of it. I'm so tired. Of A hilarious <laughs> analogy. That yeah. Is, yeah, Matt's very tired, bless him. Yeah, it's... Um, it, it just I feel very took it out. The fringe was very good, but it does take it does take its toll. But yeah, Edinburgh was a it was a very hard month, and uh, I thought about quitting comedy at least twice. Uh, but I think I uh, every gig I did was amazing. And unfortunately, uh, you haven't quit comedy. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for that. I pre- appreciate that uh, the moral support. That's the kind of emotional support I missed uh, whilst doing this. Uh, um, and yeah, I I had such a good time. Um, I think it. The Fringe takes out uh, a lot, but what it does give is give you some really nice friends, uh, uh, some brand new material, and uh, I, I think I'm the strongest I've ever been as a performer, so I'm really happy, and That's it's uh, really good. Um, Matt, when you, uh, a few weeks ago, we did like a joke, we did joke, like we mock pretended what this would be like when you come back from yeah, the Fringe, yeah, yeah. and whether you had a good time or not, Yeah, and we, we pretended that you'd done really, really well. And you were a six-star comedian. I was a six-star comedian. How was the reality of this? Actually, that like six stars obviously impossible. But I did get a four-star review. It's pretty good from Broadway Baby. Never heard of them. But I'm sure you never good. heard of Broadway Baby? No, not yeah. really. You did theatre and journalism <laughs> for a module. How have you not heard of Broadway Baby? Yeah, we didn't do a very good, didn't get a very good grade in. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but your yeah, Broadway Baby is quite a big establishment. It, well kind of a big establishment it's a big thing at the fringe yeah and um i uh, uh i they came to my early morning vegan show uh so as you are probably well aware i did three shows one was cancelled because uh on the day before i was supposed to do it the late night compilation show they uh pbh the people who booked it had forgotten i had applied and accepted the offer and booked someone else in my place so i had to cancel I didn't that happened oh yeah uh, that's pretty I bad i was really pissed off uh, that's really that's really ridiculous yeah actually. it is did you and have all the like emails and stuff to say yeah did they apologize not really <laughs> well they did but in a very self-congratulating manner uh so i, I was too honest i did too much you had quite a lot on your f- play anyway yeah and I, I got to focus on imagine if that had been the anything you'd gone up there for well, exactly. If it was, if that was my only show, I'd be very pissed off. Uh, however, I um, I did my early morning vegan show, which I thought that was going to be a hard sell, but honestly, it was one of the best fun I've had at the Fringe. And I did my two hander, which I ended up doing about forty minutes every day, and it was honestly 
working in that environment was really good. Uh, it, it felt very powerful. I basically had to start from zero with every single crowd and work your way up and really endear yourself to the audience. So I learned a lot. Uh, although in our venue, uh, at the my two-hander venue, it was so filthy it was so grim it was like a crackdown man it was it was awful uh in fact i think junkies would have went in there it's like oh god this, this place is a bit run down isn't it <laughs> why was it run down was it just small or old because uh two weeks prior to the fringe it was a solicitor's office that they uh they realized that they can earn a lot more money if it's not an office block so they stripped it all down made it into a bar and it's just fucking grim uh oh, so nice. six venues in a tiny little place so uh yeah um Thank you for coming. If you did come, some of my friends did come along. Is that Matt's laptop's having a having a. It's about to take off. It's just decided half. It's been fine every episode, and then today it's just decided that it's gonna make a lot of noise. So if it sounds like a helicopter is landing in the room, that's Matt's laptop about to explode. I think if we battery don't... acid everywhere. <laughs> if you if you if you put the laptop in but in the bath for a little bit, and the water will cool it down. I know technology, Matt. Yeah. That's what you do to fire. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, so, yeah, Edinburgh was a really positive experience for me. And, uh, yeah, and also I got featured in the British Comedy Guide. That's pretty good. And The Guardian says I was lovely. Lovely as in, oh, could go see this show. Or lovely as in, like, meh, he's lovely. No, they said I was lovely. Wouldn't no. you rather have said they were, you were funny? Dan, don't look into it too much. <laughs> it was a fleeting comment, but I'm taking it because it's the Guardian. Okay, right? that's impressive. Thank Matt you. has been mentioned in the Guardian. Yes, fact. So that's 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 quite nice. And so this year, you've been mentioned in the Guardian and performed at the O2. Yeah, well, actually, that was technically last year. But yes, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, uh, I've, yeah, I've, you know, and honestly, I do think the the fringe kind of boosted my profile a bit. I think uh, people take me a bit more seriously now, so it's quite nice, and uh, I feel um, stronger than ever, and I'm really happy, and. Uh, yeah, some really uh, met some very uh, cool people up there. Um, nice. And I actually, I Dan had a lot of stories from the fringe. Okay. War tales, some may say. War tales. Okay. And what I've done is I've written down some of my uh, most memorable moments, some funny stories. And I think in the next couple of episodes, I think we're gonna just kind of, I'm gonna get Whip you them out. Yeah, and I want you to kind of, but you get to choose which ones you want to hear. Okay. Have you I'll, just titled them on the? Okay. So. Yes. Uh, so I, what I've done, I've got a piece of paper. And I'm going to hand it over to you, and I want you to read out whatever, uh, whichever one takes your fancy. Okay. Do you want to read out a couple of the titles, and then take, uh, just go take it from there? So we have titles such as Sleeping Outside. That's probably very similar to that episode where you slept in your car. Yeah, actually, actually I'll tell this a quick one, so I'll just start. Uh, I'll, Can I, was it that you slept outside? Yes. Okay, so that was... <laughs> no, uh... was my, I didn't have a key, so um, I was waiting for my... I was staying with uh, Athena, uh, one of my uh, flatmates, uh, comedian, uh, but she's seven months pregnant. That's a myth's. Um, that's a myth's name, that is Athena. Yes, it is. Uh, and my other flatmate was out, so uh, I didn't have any key to get in. So I was trying to buzz to get in, but I also didn't want to call because she's seven months pregnant and asleep. So I was like, "Well, j- just gonna have to sleep outside for a bit." But I was also sleeping outside this very middle-class complex, this like retirement building. So it was actually. I'm going to say it. Did you sleep in the grass? Or? No, I sat outside the building to where the light was. And so you know what? Not that bad. Don't mind being homeless. It's fine. So you slept like homeless person in the, in the stairwell? For like five hours and then my friend Trev came back. So. And he was like, Matt, what are you doing? Yeah. He was pretty drunk. So That's nice. It was nice. It was. Uh, so Matt would rather be homeless than interrupt a sleeping pregnant lady. What a cat. He has a good catch. <laughs> 
Oh, imagine if you buzzing her induced early labour <laughs> and she like lost the baby or something horrific. Like, what? Where's your key, man? It's like, oh, you didn't actually give me one. Oh, my water's <laughs> broken. Oh, well, at least I'm home now. <laughs> See ya. All right. Uh, no, you don't read them out because I think I have to tell the, the story otherwise. Okay. So why don't you read out the one you think? The one that I think. Uh, we'll do a couple. Crack Den venue. You've just done that. Yes, I did. It was a Crack Den. Awful, awful place. Uh, I think I'm reading this why. This says MILF and Wee Penis. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, well, look, sorry, that's, um, that's a long story, but, uh, it's, I want to tell you, um, that's a, right, what it says. Is that better for another episode? No, I'll, I'll tell you now. Okay, go this, on. This is like, Maybe we'll just do that one today, and then yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. move on, because I think this is actually one of my favourite stories from Edinburgh, okay. actually, because, um, I, uh, so. I think it says he, she, milf, and wee penis. Well, I'll tell you what it actually says, but, uh, it says heckle. Heckle, uh, that's what it says, sorry, I thought it said, I thought it said he, she. <laughs> no, because that sounds offensive, uh, uh. Heckle and um, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll and I'll tell a story, right? So, um, in in the venue, it's quite a small little venue. The Crackdown venue, Crackdown venue, uh, the free broomsticks it was called. And uh, in our room, it's very tight. And on one of the weekends, my auntie and uncle came along, and they're, they're from in Scotland, very north of Scotland, and uh, they came all the way down to see me. It was really lovely to see them. It was very sweet. Cool, you know you're Scottish when you have to come down to get to Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you have to be Scottish. That's the only place you would be. But that's just geography for you. Iceland. <laughs> yeah. um, so they came to see the show, and they took to win the corner, right? And this was a really uh, the day they came was a really weird show, right? Because uh, in this small room, there was loads of different characters. There's a lot of different big personalities. Yeah. And usually, in an audience, you would get one of them, um, but. In this small venue, we had about four or five different people. So it was a bit of a crazy gig. And I was wearing a white razor light t-shirt. And it was laundry day, so I wasn't looking my best. But I I went went to the show, and uh, I was comparing it. And um, by laundry day, do you mean that your clothes were soaking wet? (laughs) (laughs) It was raining. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What happened is that I was... um, I decide, um I was at the venue. I was comparing it, so I would uh, I would do about ten minutes. I bring Nigel on, then I would do about uh, 30, 30 minutes at the end, roughly. Uh, but then after, uh, so I was comparing. So I'm trying to get everyone warmed up, and uh, there was this Irish girl sat in the audience. Uh, uh, there was all, uh, so, and I was chatting to her. Her name was Chloe. So, like, oh, Chloe, uh, what do you do? And Chloe turned out to be a stylist, and I go. Oh, check out my white race light t-shirt. Do you th- do you like it? And she goes, "No, I think it would look better off." Uh, <laughs> and then there was this horny milf behind her and goes, "Ooh, I'd like to see it taken off. Take it off." Take and everyone's like, "Take it off. Take it off." I was like, "Guys, I don't want to take off my shirt." What's funny is in other episodes we've talked about that you have ended. You have. You're not. You seem very easily persuaded to strip in stage. It's not it's my incredible. fault. My body is magnetic to that. You know, it's it's it happens very naturally. Yeah. So what I did is I took off my shirt, and as I took off my shirt, Nigel walked into the room, which was like very shocked. Uh, and then uh, I took off my shirt, and I was like, "Oh, do you like my body now, Chloe?" And she goes, "Could you put the shirt back on?" <laughs> I was like, "That was quite a brutal heckle," uh, but she was really funny all the way through. Um, and then, but then the horny milf. Um, uh, and I, I had mentioned my, my, my auntie and uncle were in the back of the room. The horny milf was not satisfied whatsoever. He goes, oh, oh, you shouldn't put the shirt back on. Instead, why don't you take off your trousers? And, and we're all like, no, that's too far. Like, yeah. uh, I've been down that rabbit hole. Yeah. We know how it ends. Uh, I've been sued before, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should see uh, Peter Fox's review. <laughs> but uh, I... 
yeah, so I was like, no, that's not, that's, that's not taking my trousers. Uh, and so uh, she goes, oh, so how, how big is it? And she turns around to my auntie uncle and goes, oh, so how, how, how big is it? And my auntie, a bit shell-shocked, she just goes, oh, I don't know, I've only seen it when it was wee. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like, he's got a small penis! And I was like, no, I haven't got a small penis. It's a very normal-sized penis. <laughs> And uh, it's just all that moment of like my my auntie was mortified, I was mortified, uh, the holy milk was mortified. When when your when you heard your aunt's voice say at the back, I only saw it when it was we. Were you like, oh no? Yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> not like that, but like, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, man. <laughs> how old? Um, <coughs> how is this? Your mum's side or dad's side? Dad's, dad's side, side. Yeah. Oh, and, oh, is that and, your dad's dad's sister? Dad's sister. <laughs> oh man, it was oh that was it was such a beautiful moment though because like. She didn't I'm sure your dad to... would have said a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's pretty, pretty right. <laughs> They're not talking to each other. <laughs> uh, but they, uh, yeah, so it was quite a, uh, uh, it, it was a beautiful moment. Um, I also, uh, for, for the rest of that gig, uh, where Chloe was actually quite a good heckler. She was a heckler, but she kind of, because I'm quite a low status, kind of charming, kind of cute, but kind of not intimidating kind of person on stage. Chloe was quite a fierce Irish girl, and what I did this routine where I get a girl up on stage and read her a poem, right? And I've got Chloe up on stage because she was quite brutal, and she fucking laid into me. It was so funny as well. It was uh, honestly such a. It was like great banter as well. I mean, she she won. People she, funny are funny. She found her very funny, and uh, well, in all fairness, I was giving all the balls to her, but uh, not, not like that. But uh, uh, but then um, what I decided to do is like afterwards she's very cute and uh, and I said she can be my girlfriend afterwards and I actually decided to go on a date with my heckler with, I decided to go on a date with her afterwards right which that's is nice. it's quite weird but I thought you know let's go on a date with my heckler because that could be a really funny story yes because right? like, I thought you know maybe my ultimate heckler comeback would be to like marry her marry her then be like haha I don't love you divorce <laughs> <laughs> that'll teach her I mean, it'd be very expensive. I'm taking the kids. <laughs> and I, I thought of all these ways I can kind of get back at her. Or at the very least, you know, just kind of, you know, if I get married, maybe she can heckle my vows or something like that. I was like, oh, I don't find you very funny. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Chloe. Oh, love you too. <laughs> but, uh, the way, <laughs> um, so we actually decided to meet up. However, she kind of kept, she kind of won because... She turned up to the date an hour late. So I think she kind of won. Okay. I don't think that's a good sign for any day. No. It was a pouring rain as well, so I had to hang out outside. But then I decided to uh, go and uh, hang out with her. And oh, we're friends to this day. So, that's very nice. Yeah, it was very nice. She's a very nice girl. Did you heckle her on the date? Uh, well, we had banter, but not so much. Uh, bought her a coffee. That's... Oh. Ooh. And fucked her. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Joke. Honestly, uh, that was a joke. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was funny. All right, Dan, should we head into our myth? Yeah, I think so. Time to. Uh, I'm glad you had fun at the fringe, Matt. Thanks, I'm sure man. more fo- more stories will follow. Yeah, and I've got some more funny stuff as well. I'll, I'll whip out this piece of paper every now and then. And we'll, yeah. we'll do a fringe story in the next few episodes. Take him off, actually. Yeah. Well, oh. we've only done one. I'm pretty sure I can remember. <laughs> I've already got one eyed up that I want to do. Do you not want to do a quick one quickly? Yeah, it just says fell in love with a different girl. That's the most Matt thing I've ever read. <laughs> Like, do you remember that time you were on a train this is just very quickly and you messaged me being like hi Dan I just fell in love with a girl I was like thinking that you like, we no, hadn't spoken in a while no, so no, I no, thought no. that it was like something quite impressive it turned out you'd just been sitting next to someone on a train and you talked to her for a few minutes and was like yep fancy this girl now 
That makes me sound creepy. I mean, I did some creepy stuff to that on the train. No, what, what happened is I've just been to a vegan gig and I went to get a bus home and the overnight bus home and I fell. And I sat and chatting to this girl and I was like, oh, Dan, I, I went to a vegan gig and then I fell in love. He was like, that's the most Matt Hoss thing I've ever <laughs> But I, I, I will tell more of Matt's personal life very soon. Okay. Also, I feel like I, I've talked a lot about me. Uh, let's tell us something about you. you you're, you're nice. I uh, went shopping the other day Yeah. and... Sainsbury's charged me one pound for two tubes of Pringles. What? Really? Which is insane. That's 50p a tube. Proper tube as well. Barbecue flavoured Pringles. It's best thing that's happened to me all week. Need I say more? That's a six star story right there. <laughs> so, here's the myth, guys. I don't need So, uh, this is this is officially our final Troy episode, because uh, today we're going to be talking about the end of the Trojan War, the finale of the Troy saga. However, um, in future episodes, we're going to be talking about other things that happened during this time and after the war. Uh, and the characters, whatever. Yeah, so it'll be like kind of spin-offs mm. of, uh, of the Troy series, really. So, but also it'd be Troy themes, but uh, not necessarily about the war itself. So we've done the first ten years of the war. Yeah, that was covered with Achilles' story, and uh, and he's Judgment of Paris. And yeah. Judgment of Paris. He's now dead, Mister Achilles. Whoa! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! What again? You really should be listening to. This yeah, episode. yeah. I mean, if, like, you, if, if you haven't listened to at least part three of Achilles, then I met someone who like one of our friends actually called Josh. Uh, he um. He listens to it very ad hoc and randomly, and he. Sat- a lot of people do, yeah. Really? Yeah, my yeah, my friends do. But that's they just go to whichever one they think they. Oh, I'd like the sound of that myth. Oh, we depress. No, I want to know more about that. That's really not how it works, no, guys. Cause, hey, because I, as a especially I, not the part the three parters and stuff. Yeah, because like there's a lot of callbacks and yeah. also well, um, especially when it comes to these Trojan War. And there's some episodes where it requires a lot of. Uh, like it requires a lot more context because I, I literally came out to you on, on that episode as well. And imagine if that's the first one you listen to as well. Or imagine if it, you listen to Weedabit Challenge first one. Oh god, yeah, yeah, god, <laughs> that happened. Can we? I found out that Weedabix is a vegan. So can I? Uh, should I do the Weedabix Challenge? Yeah, we should do it actually. Yeah. I well, have we not learned our mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, from this podcast, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> But no, Achilles, uh, he's dead, and now, um, yeah, what happens so, in the Trojan War? So, uh, Hector's also dead. Uh, Hec- yeah, Hector's, basically the two main warriors from each side are dead. And it's kind of... But like, the kings aren't. Agamemnon for the Greeks, the leader is still alive, and Priam, the leader of Troy, is still alive. And this is uh, the final kind of gestus for the uh, for the um, the war. This is the final blur, and this is how uh, the Greeks eventually win the war. So Dan, I think this this is obviously one of the most famous myths of all time, and it's uh, actually the end of the the end of the myth. This episode basically is the bit that everyone knows about. Yes, or knows uh, a bit yeah, about. Yeah, and I. So what do you know about uh, the end of the Trojan War? They make a wooden horse. Who? The Greeks. Yes. And then they climb inside of it. Their best warriors climb inside of it. Yep. And then uh, I assume they didn't put Achilles in it. That'd be weird. <laughs> Dead we body. Yeah, in fact, we know about him because he's ashes there. Anyway, and they. Um, they then somehow the rest of the army leave or hide somewhere, and then they 
All of this is coming from the film, Troy, by the way. <laughs> and then um, they somehow, the Trojans take in the horse, thinking it's a gift or something, or yeah. they steal it, thinking they're being clever. And then at night, the people that are inside the giant wooden horse yeah. um, escape and start burning the city down. So that's that's kind of the major part. Because Troy's walls are impenetrable, right? So it's the only way to get in. That's correct. Uh, so that's why they struggled for the last ten years. Um, however, we're going to do, we're going to really go into depth on this one, because like, there is well, that's the bare bones of the story. However, we've mentioned this multiple times before, but in uh, the Roman epic uh, poem, the Aeneid, uh, where it's about the uh, uh, how the, what happened to the Trojans after Troy. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about book two of the Aeneid, but um, we're, we're not going to do it in a formal way because we'll be doing the Aeneid later on uh, in full. We're not going to give the full context, but what happens is that is our hero called Aeneas. Um, who is a, a? He's from Troy. He's a he's he's a quite a good warrior. He's a he's a noble man of uh, of Troy, and uh, it, we're going to see his account of uh, the fall of Troy. And uh, so it's from a Trojan's perspective. A Trojan's perspective of the end of uh, the, the the war on Troy. And they're pretty heartbroken because they're just in Hector getting murdered in front of them. Yeah, it's this weird time for them as well. And uh, obviously Priam and his family are very devastated in lots of different ways. And uh, we're going to be seeing what happens. Uh, uh, from this point of view as well. So, um, uh, and also the context is is that Aeneas has to tell a story. He's telling it in retrospect as well. So he's telling it from a. Uh, he's at a party and he needs to tell a story to stay alive, essentially. So yes. So that's it's all like, he, hey, this crazy thing happened ten years ago. <laughs> well, that's what he's telling it now. Yeah. yeah. And we'll obviously go into more detail in the future. But that's all you need to know for the time being. Aeneas is our hero, and we get to hear what happens. So, here we go, Dan. Are you ready for the end? I'm ready. Let's see how the Trojan War... It's been ten whole years. Ten whole years of... So basically what we've had, just to, so in my head, we've had the start of the Trojan War was Paris. Uh-huh. He stole Helen. Yeah. From Agamemnon. No, Menelaus. Agamemnon's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, his, brother. his brother. But they had a, that, uh, that pact of all the Greek men. So. Of all the Greek men was like, hey, you have to fight for me. So Agamemnon was like, all right, brother. And they rallied basically all of Greece and their empire. Yeah. And came to Troy's doorstep. <clears throat> that's the first part. Second part is basically Achilles' story. Yeah. Was that's the battle. All of the different fights that happened, how yeah. long it lasted. You've got Hector mm-hmm. um, dying, Achilles dying, um, Patroclus dying, all yeah. of the good stuff. And, and Priam talking to... And now we've got the final conclusion, which is after all of the main battles have happened, yeah. something's got to give. And we also, uh, we've also mentioned a lot of big characters like Cassandra. Remember Cassandra? Cassandra, yeah. Who um, can see the future but no one believes her. Uh, so all that stuff's really important. Um, and this is where it culminates as well. So... This is, uh, this, is, this is the extract from book two of Aeneas, from the Aeneid. So um, Aeneas begins the story of telling about how the Greeks were unable to defeat the Trojans in battle. So they sail away uh, from Troy. They land... Uh, so on the beach of Troy, they leave something. They leave behind a giant wooden horse. Uh, but within the horse, as we've already said... There's Greek warriors inside of it. When we mean giant, we mean like a massively well-constructed so, giant sculpture. What? Let's take. Let's let's teach them. Uh, let's show with our words what the the horse looks like. Then, what do you imagine the horse to be like? It's probably on wheels. Yeah, I think definitely on. If it's animatronic, that's fucking. Amazing. I imagine it'd be like it looks like a hobby horse. Yes, yes, yeah. Kind of, but very like obviously not rocking. Imagine that a giant rocking horse. That'd be terrifying. I'm thinking like two or three stories tall. I'm thinking like big. Yeah, I think so. It's a big horse. You've got to get some people inside it as well. Yeah, exactly. And they've got to be comfortable for a few hours. Yeah, Yeah, well, I think think, think comfort is the least of the problem. But like, yeah. 
Oh, there's no Wi-Fi in here. Um, but yeah. So, uh, so on this, uh, so so the Greeks have all sailed away, as far as the Trojans are yeah, concerned. Yeah, they sailed away. Um, however, um, as we have just said, that the Greeks are actually hidden behind a little island called uh, Tenedos, and so they've part- actually just sailed around the corner. Yeah, so they kind of like kind of part their navy just behind the corner, just in the blind spot, and like, oh no, we've definitely left, and here's a, and there there's a lot of ships too. There's a lot of them. Yeah. The Greeks. And it's like, oh, we've left this gift behind. Enjoy this gift. Take it into the walls of Troy, this gift. And also, why would a horse be a good gift? What are you going to do with it? Is it is it because the horse symbolises something to do with the gods or something? Is it meant to be like a sacrifice or an offering? Yeah. Is it like symbolise something, strength? Or... I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a bit weird. But as far as the Trojans are concerned, they think this is all perfectly reasonable. Uh, they've taken wow. 10 years to break into our rules. They couldn't do it. They've given up. They've gone back. Well, we'll get into that in one second because there's a fierce debate. Um, so, uh, the whole of their army is hidden around Tenedos. Uh, uh, so, the person that devised this plan was our cutting and wily friend, Odysseus. Whoop, 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 whoop. Uh, no whooping, please. Sorry. No whapping. <laughs> um, so, Odysseus devised a plan to end the war for good. He asked that a wooden horse be built, uh, and, and it was hollow on the inside. So, the chest cavity bit is hollow, right? Uh, so, um, and also, Odysseus didn't do this alone. He was helped by Athena. He kind of, uh, Athena kind of helped give him the idea for it. He, she inspired him for the plan. Because yeah. they all, they're all tired of this. They want, they want this to be over. Uh, so, um, uh, so, soldiers hid, hid in the interior of the horse, which was brought in, to, in front of the city gates. Uh, and they were saying it was a gift from the Greeks, showing the withdrawal of the Greek army and the fake end of the war. Can I just do a callback? This is the first time in the Trojan War we've heard of Odysseus since he jumped on his shield so he didn't die when he first yes, landed, yeah. if you remember. Yeah, and that guy died straight away. And that guy died straight away, yeah. And he's obviously just been doing his thing this ten, last ten years. Well, he's like a general, so he's just been kind of... He's Order been vibing him. it, you know. Yeah. He's been, you know, just been chilling out, you know. I'm pretty sure in the film he's Sean Bean, right? Yes, it yeah. is, yeah. Good, good eye. So the Trojans all come outside and they are amazed at the horse and they come outside the city gates to have a better look at it. So it, already people are arguing in favour of taking it inside the city. Others are saying it should be destroyed. Right, burn so, it right now. Let's yeah. be done with it. Yeah. So if you were in the Trojan city, what would you do? Would you I'd say get rid of it. Why is that? Just you... because one, even if it, I wouldn't think it was anything menacing, but I'd be like, we don't want this. But then I also appreciate patriarchy and all that. Uh, not patriarchy. Um, <laughs> the patriarchy. Patriotism and all that. Like people... <laughs> People want to like, hey, remember that time we defeated the Greeks? Look at this yeah. massive statue to honour that. Imagine having a misogynistic horse, the patriarchal horse. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, maybe, I, maybe I would. I, again, I appreciate why people would. You could always have that statue outside the city. That's what I do. Keep it outside the city. Um, and just as a, I don't think it mentions it in here, but uh, the horse actually is too tall for the walls, so to get into the city, they have to destroy some of the walls to bring it in. Uh, so that's already a big, big no-no in some of the. Uh, so, so Lao Kuon, a uh, Trojan priest, comes down from the city to have a look at it. He says not to trust anything having to do with the Greeks. He even guesses that there are some Greeks hiding on the inside. So then he throws a spear at the horse. And it hits the, the hook. Boom. It echoes in a reeling that is hollow. Now, I think that's probably helped from the gods there. Yeah. So that's impossible. So Lao Kuan's already mistrustful. But throwing a spear 
against a very religious and thing, that's going to bear some consequences. Ah, okay. Because it's made by Athena, so that's actually quite a bad diss against the gods. The Trojans would have followed Laocoon's lead and would have destroyed the horse, but they are interrupted by a commotion. Damn, what was that commotion? Turns out that all the ruckus is coming from some shepherds who step forward through the crowd with a prisoner. He's a Greek. <gasps> the captive's name is Sinon. 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 I like Sinon without an M. His captive's name is Sinon, and he has a story to tell. Sinon, the Greek, claims to be related to Palamedes, a Greek hero who came to oppose the Trojan War. As a result of this, Palamedes was executed on a trumped-up charge as a result of Ulysses, a.k.a. Odysseus' trickery. So he, so his uncle's been tricked by... So he's saying that... Um, his, he's a relative. Uh, yeah, uh, his, his, um, his uh, Palamedes was dicked over by Odysseus. Uh, uh, in fact, was Palamedes the first one to jump off the ship? Maybe it was, actually. I think yeah, it was. I think it was. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think part, so that, that was the reason why he was a bit pissed off at him. Uh, it was. He was the one that died first instead of Odysseus. Although, I, I must imagine that if Simon's complaining about this, Odysseus is in the, the chest, he must be hearing, he's like, well, if that's Simon's real impression. Oh, God. Anyway. Simon says that because he complained <laughs> about his injustice, Simon. Odysseus had it in for him. He also says that the Greeks tried several times to sail home, but every time they were held back by bad weather. He says that their problems only got worse after the horse was built. Finally, they sent a guy called Ripolus. Ripolus. Eurypolis. Eurypolis to ask the Oracle of Apollo what they should do. The Oracle told Eurypolis that a human sacrifice was required for them to get home. As you can imagine, this made everyone pretty nervous. Odysseus asked Colchis, the soothsayer, to interpret the true will of the gods. Colchis kept silent for ten days, but finally caved in to Odysseus's pestering and named Sinon as the victim. Wow. Everyone else was cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> it says that as well. So the one guy, it's awkward how Odysseus decided this, the one guy in the whole of the Greek army that doesn't like him. Yeah, exactly. It's Sinon. Yeah. Wait, I, wait, Odysseus, isn't he the only one here that doesn't like you? Oh, what a coincidence. Oh, sorry, yeah, Sinon, mate. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry, mate. Yeah. See you at home. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> and, and, like, it's quite funny that, uh... so they're going to have to sacrifice this guy, Sinon, yeah. So they can sail, sail home in inverted commas. <laughs> and also, I like how the, the, the oracle has to just, like, I'm just going to be, be quiet, quiet for days. Yeah. And Odysseus uh, is like, come on, come <laughs> you on. You know it's Sinon. Uh, yeah, it's a s- s- Simon says. Uh, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> when the day of the sacrifice was uh, rolled around, however, Simon managed to escape. In the end, the Greeks sailed off without finding him. By the way, this is all part of his story, by the way. So, in isn't true necessarily. Ah, uh, this is all. This is that Trojan Aeneas is. This is Sinon's story. This is Sinon. Oh, of course, Sinon the prisoner is telling everyone this, so it might be a load of bollocks. And we'll find out if it is okay. or not. When Oedipus gets on the horse, oh, he's sending you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, Odysseus, not Oedipus. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Oedipus is like doing some other things. Yeah, he's doing some other things. <laughs> he's busy. <laughs> oh, yeah, mum. <laughs> so uh, Sinon managed to escape in the end. And uh, the Greeks sell up without him. So, so ends Simon's story. In conclusion, he begs the Trojans in the name of the gods to spare his life. And the Trojans feel pity for Simon. And Prime orders them to remove his chains. And, you know, at this, you know, at the very least, he, um, he's not a threat to them. He's actually, Simon hates the Greeks as much as uh, they do. So yeah. he's actually like, well, oh, sorry, you mentioned. Yeah. 
At this point, Brian thinks it's time to ask Simon about the elephant in the room. Or maybe <laughs> the, the horse in the <laughs> Simon first swears that he's no longer loyal to the Greeks. Then he explains how the Greeks' trouble started when Odysseus and Diomedes stole a statue of Minerva from the Trojan citadel. Oh, we should probably read more about that afterwards. That's a story for another time. After they brought back the statuette uh, back to the camp, however, wacky stuff started happening. <laughs> wacky stuff, so they started wearing odd socks and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, wear brightly coloured ties. Uh, the, statuette, the statuette started sweating, flaming and moving its eyes. Oh yeah, and the goddess herself kept appearing out of the ground amid flashes of lightning. Um, our source material is awfully chilled out, by the way. It's it's very it's trying to be cool with us. Yeah. Calchas, the seer, interpreted these events to mean that Troy could not be captured. They would have to sail home and wait for another sign for the gods making war on it again. So basically, in this story by Simon, that uh, it's unwinnable, so they might as well go home. So he's telling a story to all the Trojans, being like, "This is why yeah. my fellow Greeks have left, and this is why we, there's a Trojan horse, on the Trojan beach. horse on the beach." According to Sinon, it was on Calchas's orders that they constructed the horse as a replacement for what they had stolen. He says that the reason they made it so big so that the Trojans wouldn't be able to take it inside the city. So, actually, that makes sense. So, so they built a horse so it's as like their supplies, if you know what I mean. So it's like um, it's not necessarily meant as a gift, but it's kind of like um, so the Trojans can't take it into their city, if you know what I mean. So it's not meant to. It's not meant for them necessarily. That's quite a good play on words, because it's just going to make them want it more. Yeah, exactly. Because um, they're like, uh, I'll tell you we can't have this. And also from a war point, if that's a bundle of supplies you could use for other stuff as well. So if it's not, if it's not a statue... Because he's making it sound like there's lots of stuff in it. Yeah. yeah. Like food and stuff, yeah. Um, so it's too big for the city walls. Silent tells the Trojans that if any of them damage the horse, it will bring destruction on all the Troy. On the other hand... Cause also, that's a quite important thing, because they obviously don't want to kill the people inside. Yeah. On the other hand, if they take it inside the city, it will bring destruction on all the Greeks. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Here ends Simon's second story. Uh, so, basically, he's trying to influence them to kind of... So, he's definitely lying. He's definitely a little Greek yeah. like, mastermind. So, yeah. um, the part that... Uh, to go... Beyond, uh, this will probably be explained in a sec, but Simon was left there intentionally to kind of influence them to do that. So, he's yeah. actually a big... He's playing them um, yeah. at their own game, if you know what I mean. He's actually quite a brave person because he's not hidden inside the horse. He actually has to go out in front of him and he could die at any point, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think that he's actually been... Like a spy, basically, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, but he's been very sneaky, if you know what I mean. His story's quite good, quite believable. Yeah. And And it just plays to what they want. And also, uh, as we mentioned earlier, if you damage the horse... That means that some bad things are going to happen to you. You bring it inside the city, bad things happen to the Greeks. Greeks, which is what they and want. who was already damaged to the horse? That the priest called Laokuon. Yeah. At this point... How do you say that? Laokuon. At this point, Laokuon, the priest guy who threw the spear at the side of the horse, starts making a sacrifice to Neptune, the god of the sea. All of a sudden, two giant serpents sliver out of the sea, crawl up to Laokuon and strangle him and his two sons to death. <laughs> wow. Do you want to see a picture? Because uh, this is actually a big moment in art as well. Because like Lau <laughs> Kuon's like, oh, I'm a very pious god. Like, don't like uh, this. This horse is very bad. And then <laughs> this big monster goes, <laughs> it just eats him and his son. So it's like, in front of everyone. Yeah. And so everyone's like, let's not listen to Lau Kuon, really. The serpents make their way uh, into Troy, head to Minerva's citadel, and curl up behind the statue shield. Important because it's saying that it, the serpent is a. Uh, um, pious if you know yeah, yeah. 
So this is a big omen. Am I reading? Uh, the Trojans interpret this as punishment from the gods for spearing the horse. They decide to take the horse inside the city. They actually have to knock a hole in the wall to bring it in. This is too big, but they want to because it destroys the Greeks. And they've now got reason to believe that that curse is true. Yeah, because in all fairness. If you damage it, you get eaten, which you did happen. So yeah. now they're thinking, well, maybe if we do bring it in, the Greeks will die. Yeah. And I feel quite bad for Lyra Kuong, especially his sons as well. Yeah. He's like, no, don't don't bring him in. No, don't do, don't do that. And then he's just like... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Everyone is celebrating. Four times the horse jars on its way into the city and four times the weapons of the Greeks inside clatter. No one notices. And we come across a very old face. Yeah. The Trojan princess, Cassandra, who has the gift of prophecy, tries to prevent them from taking the horse inside the city. Unfortunately, the gods have cursed her so that her predictions will not be believed, as indeed they are. Now, we have come across her before. Yeah. But she's like, everybody, Troy's going to fall, don't listen. And everyone's like, yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, yeah. Even but though she... Well, we're cool. That's a terrible curse to know that she's actually right, but yeah. no one can listen to her. You can never win an argument, can you? No. I don't think you're always right. Night comes, and the Greek fleet sail back from round the corner at Tenedos. <laughs> Sinon lets the Greeks out of the horse. They kill the Trojan sentries and open the city gates for their friends who are just arriving at the city. So, so Sinon scraped up to the horse, which I guess is in the middle of the city centre, the courtyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everyone's open. partying, everyone's drunk, because this is the end of the ten-year war. So, woo! Yeah. Just yeah. subtly opens the... Ch- A lot of whapping. Yeah, opens the... <laughs> woo, 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 woo. <laughs> opens the Trojan horse. All of their top warriors jump out. Yeah. kill all the guards that are in the vicinity open. meanwhile they open the gates and now a all, thousand ships of Greece yeah. sl- are now and outside the city ready to come in because the walls are impenetrable but the gates are open so, so they all everyone, flood in everyone is at their worst state as well yeah. so this is not a good situation meanwhile in the city Aeneas is asleep oh just a quick point it's Aeneas right? Aeneas and uh when I, I studied this in uh, both year 11 and year 13 in my third year, and in year 11, right, we studied it, and I had a very chilled out teacher called Mr. Weston, and we had a very stupid boy uh, called, uh, in our class, he's called Martin, and Martin's a bit of an idiot. And Mr. Weston always says, because how is it spelled, Dan? Aeneas. Aeneas is spelled uh, A E N E A S. And Mr. Weston at the start of the year always goes, okay, so we're going to read written the Aeneid with Aeneas, and it's called Aeneas, and it's not pronounced Aeneas, okay? And Martin, because well, we have to take it times uh, reading, and every time he'd be like, and dutiful Aeneas. It's like, no, it's Aeneas. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun story. Yeah. Awesome. Meanwhile in the city, Aeneas is asleep. The Trojan warrior Hector appears to him in his dream, all covered in blood and dirt, as he was on the day he was killed by Achilles. He hasn't got a shower in the end of the world. No, he hasn't. He's dragged around on a chariot for about a week. Hector tells Aeneas that Troy is about to be captured. He tells him to gather up his household go- uh, gods and go found a new city for them. Aeneas wakes up and climbs up to his roof. From there, he hears a terrible clamour and he can see numerous houses burning. His first thought is to arm himself in battle. Uh, however, uh, then at his door appears Pantheus, the priest of Apollo, who is carrying some images of gods and uh, leading his grandson. And Aeneas asks Pantheus where they should go to take their stand to defend Troy. But Pantheus tells him that the city is done for. And he should just uh, take his family and leave the city. And that's quite wise advice. And Hector also told him to do that as well. Yeah. But uh, this is our first bouncing out with Aeneas. And Aeneas is not as sharp as tool in the box. No. But he's also patriotic. So, so um, 
All the same, Aeneas rushes into the fight without armour and gathers up some companions. Together, they fight with suicidal courage. Uh, they kill some Greeks and take their equipment. With their disguises, they are able to join the ranks of other Greeks and kill them through trickery. So they've they've, they've put the armor of dead Greeks on and yeah. like supposing as Greeks. Yeah. So, so Aeneas just can hold his own. He's quite a decent chap, like that fighter. However, he's got, um, Aeneas has quite a lot of family. He has his um, father Anchises, um, has his son Aeolus or Ulysses, uh, and he has his wife Crusa as well. Remember those names. But then, Coribus, one of Aeneas' comrades, who also happens to be the husband of Cassandra, sees his wife being dragged out of Minerva's temple by some Greek warriors. Like a madman, he rushes into the fight, and everyone else follows. In the chaos, they are hit by a bunch of missiles thrown by Trojans hiding out at the top of the temple. They mistook Aeneas and the company for Greeks, because they had stolen the armour. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, Realising the Trojan deception, the Greeks rally, and a, a, and a furious battle breaks out in front of the temple. Many Trojans are killed, including Coriolis. But then, outside the temple, the Trojans are distracted when they realise that Priam's palace is being besieged. Aeneas and some other men sneak in a back entrance to help out. They make their way to the roof, where they knock a tower off onto the Greeks below. But there are too many of them, and they keep coming on. The <laughs> most fearsome of the Greeks is... Natomolus. Natomolus, the son of Achilles... Oh, well, he actually has two names. Natomolus is one of his. I think the easy name is Pyrrhus. And so it's Pyrrhus. Pyrrhus. And, and it's like Paris, but badass. Okay. Pyrrhus. I didn't uh, know because he's had a son. They didn't mention that. Yeah, it's, I think he's kind of like... Um, An Ill- illegitimate... You know, like... Like, this is an early reference, but when Wolverine gone, there's like a, there's another... There's an X2 or whatever. And there's a, like Wolverine's son who's like kind of like... Oh, he's kind of written into the story. If you know what yeah. I mean, he's like he's like Poochie from Simpsons. You yeah. know what I mean, so Pyrrhus is a, uh, um, and uh, Pyrrhus is uh, his son. And um, where Achilles is quite a grand character, Pyrrhus is a lot more cynical and acidic. He's a bit, he's more more hostile and kind of grosser. He's not a nice guy, Pyrrhus. Uh, uh, and do you, do you know what words might come out of um, uh, Pyrrhus as well? Pious? No, no, it's... The word I'm looking for is Pyrrhic. And Pyrrhic victory, have you heard? No. Well, we're about to hear what a Pyrrhic victory is. Because I started calling Pyrrhus then. Pyrrhus. It's easier, easier, in my opinion. Meanwhile, Priam puts on his armour and prepares to face down the Greeks, old and decrepit as he is. Yeah, he puts on all of his old armour as well. When his wife... Hecuba. Hecuba sees him, however. She tells him to stop being such a fool. She makes him cover over with her and some women who are clinging to an altar for safety. They're assuming that the Greeks will not violate the holiness of the of the place. Okay. So the, the, the ladies are hanging out in the uh, in the, the temple because okay. they, they don't want to offend the... They, they don't want... They think it's sanctuary for them. Yes. Um, and also, I forgot to mention this. They don't really mention this, but in the Aeneid, they talk about when Aeneas is on top of that rooftop, he... Um, because he's half got himself, his mother is Venus, uh, uh, Aphrodite, and uh, he um, he sees all the gods like kind of crum- uh, crushing Troy and stuff like that. So it means that all the gods there are kind of it's their end of the war as well. So they kind of uh, fight now as well. And there's not many. But only he can see them. Well, yeah, but it's supposed to be like an artistic moment, yeah. so he doesn't really see them. But it's to show that the gods are messing around this whole time. Okay. Just then, Polites, one of Priam's sons, rushes in, wounded, with uh, Pyrrhus in pursuit. Pyrrhus catches up to him and slays him brutally. 
and he does this in a very brutal manner as well. And he knows all the family are watching, so he makes it a, a scene. And Polanski is a very young and sweet boy, and he absolutely destroys him. Okay. Pyrrhus is an awful, gruesome guy. <clears throat> Enraged by his, the son of his, uh, death of his son, Priam prepares to attack Pyrrhus. Uh, Priam reminds Pyrrhus about his father, Achilles, and how he had once taken pity on him when he gave Hector's body back for funeral, as we talked about in previous uh, last week. Priam tells Pyrrhus that this horrible hate behaviour that he's demonstrating makes it seem that as if he isn't the true son of Achilles. Priam feebly attacks his younger foe, but does not succeed in wounding him. Instead, what Pyrrhus does is uh, he slashes the legs of Priam, so he falls to the knees, and he is... He's, at, he's down for the count here. And what he does, he drags Priam by his hair through the blood of his own son to the altar, makes him look over the burning city of Troy and cuts off his head. Isn't that messed up? That's pretty messed up, yeah. So, because Pyrrhus, he's not going to kill him outright. And remember when Achilles killed Hector, it's kind of a straightforward thing. Yeah. Even as angry as he was, well, well, he did kill him. He did the chariot thing. But, but even in terms of him it, killing him, it's yeah. just one quick blow to the yeah. chest. But this... He's dragging him through his son's like uh, body and, yeah. and he cuts off his head. And this is in front of the whole of the, uh, the family as well. So the last thing he's uh, Prime sees is the fall of his city burning. And it's quite a horrible moment. Aeneas, who had been watching this whole time, suddenly thinks of his own father, Anchises. And, I mean, he hadn't thought of him before the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so he rushes home to help. On his way home, he runs into Helen. She is trying to hide, afraid of both Trojans and Greeks. She is actually yeah, in the worst the, Yeah, because she's the reason all this is happening. So yeah. no one likes her at all. Yeah. The Greeks don't like her because they're being killed. And the Trojans don't like her because their city's about to fall. Yeah, and it's, it's all because of her as well. Everything yeah. is because of her. Um, so, uh... Aeneas is about to kill her. Aeneas is about to kill her when his mother, Venus, appears and tells him not to blame her. She says that what is happening to Troy is not Helen's fault. It is the will of the gods. Venus takes away the mist. Oh, this is the moment I was talking about. She takes away the mist from Aeneas' sight so she can see the various gods of work destroying the city. It's not Helen's fault, it's the gods. Then Aeneas runs home to find his father and tells him to get ready. They're going to head out and run for the hills. But old man and Kaisi refuses. He says that he's lived and suffered long enough. So he's just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Here you go. On. But then, Crusa, Aeneas' wife, and his son Ascanius, uh, Ascanius has different names, by the way, uh, Ascanius, um, they try to bring Anchises round, but he keeps refusing. Finally, Aeneas gathers his weapons in order to go out and die fighting. Carissa tell, tells him to take her and Ascanius along with him. Just then, at that last moment, flames burst out of Ascanius' head, but they do not burn him. And this is a significant message. Um, this is a, a sign from the gods, and Anchises is a, is a very pious man, so he prays uh, for a sign from the gods, and suddenly a shooting star flashes overhead. And this is a good and pious sign. This means go for it. Okay. And um, a little, a little bit of history knowledge for you. This is uh, obviously this is written by Virgil, and and this is actually a piece of um, Roman propaganda here because um, this um, during I think during um, this is supposed to be a good sign. I think this similar thing happened whilst uh, uh, Augustus was on reign. So it, a shooting star meaning that Augustus was the rightful um, person to be in the throne. Uh, okay. So, so this is. Um, Augustan propaganda here. Okay. So, so interesting, right? It is interesting. So this is how they work uh, um, propaganda into uh, myth. Uh, myth. Yeah. 
Anyway, so Ancasius is now on board and he's ready to rock out. Um, so Ancasius is set and, go, and goes with Aeneas. Now thinking of survival instead of suicide, always great, Aeneas takes his father on his shoulders. He gives his father the images of the household gods to carry. Then he takes Ascanius, Ascanius by the hand. After Aeneas tells some servants that they will meet up at a certain Cypress tree, Cypress tree by an inland gate of the city, they head off, with Crusa following behind. In a moment of confusion, however, Aeneas ducks down some alleyways and Crusa gets lost. Aeneas doesn't realise this until they get to the Cypress tree. Okay. So, he's got his dad on his shoulders. His son in hand. Son in hand. And he's like, ah, oh, Crusa, we'll catch up with you. His like wife's it. missing. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, which is a bit horrible. He goes back alone through the flaming city looking for her, but does not find her. Suddenly, her ghost appears and tells him that it is too late. She tells him to go where the Tiber River flows, i.e. Italy. There he will get a new kingdom and a new wife. Aeneas accepts Crusa's words and heads back to the Cypress tree, where many refugees have now gathered. Together, they set out on their voyage. So that's quite... The River Tiber! Uh, is where Rome is. <laughs> yes, uh, well, that's, that's... The whole point of the thing is trying to get to the city of Rome. Find, yeah. find Rome. Uh, however, um, as we've demonstrated here, Crusa, she dies very quickly... Um, uh, and he just accepts that her ghost is there. Uh, uh, it's nice that they're rooming off, and she's kind of like browsing at like window shopping. Uh, but yeah, uh, she, so she's just kind of like window shopping, and he he's like, "Come on, come on, Carissa!" But she dies, and in the uh, she, she tells him to kind of move on with his life. And what he does, he tries to hug her, uh, but he, is there's this thing? Uh, it's a Homeric uh, tradition of free, so the characters will try things three times so he'll hug her three times but keep on missing so it's kind of a weird thing to try and hug a ghost three times yeah but um and also Carissa moves on pretty fast as well she's like yeah it's alright I'm over you I was sleeping with the bin man (laughs) (laughs) and I'm dead now so (laughs) fuck you dude um so um that's pretty much the end of the... So Troy is destroyed and the Greeks... And this guy, Aeneas, is taking the rest of the chosen women yeah. and children and so, survivors. Yeah, they, they go off into the hills and they leave Troy. And Aeneas... Uh, well, Anchises is the kind of de facto leader, but although Aeneas is the kind of... He's the one that kind of runs it all, if you know what I mean. Mm. So that's where we are at the moment. However, what happened to Har- uh, pa- Paris? He Helen? started all this. We know where Helen is. She's... She's scared to death somewhere yeah. in a barn or something. I believe Paris and Helen make it out alive. Uh, I'm not sure what happens to them. But apparently, um, later, Paris is killed by Philoctetes uh, uh, using Heracles' bow. And this whole Trojan War, I'm not quite sure. We probably have, I, think Met, I think Helen has returned to Menelaus, actually. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But we'll find out in the Odyssey, actually. The Trojan War marked the end of the heroic age of man. Uh, this is an age where Zeus attempted to depopulate the earth and kill a number of demigods and heroes, and this all proved successful. And although victorious, most heroes and Greek soldiers were never really returned home uh, or returned after their many adventures, as the gods were infuriated. So, although the Greeks won this time, they didn't really win overall. They were all losers, really. Yes. So. And that, that is Troy. Troy's now just a burning pile of nothing. And that is the end of a ten-year war, Dan. Bye! I'm not bad, I'm about to do Bye! But See you in the next part of the, the myth. So, Dan, what do you think of the end? That was sad. And it was different to the film, which made it interesting for me. Yeah, what, it, it was... Inter- it was a, I think it's nice to go into that detail, isn't it? It was. It was very detailed, actually. 
And Aeneas, I never really thought of him. Yeah, and yeah, and he does appear at the very end of Troy as well. Have you enjoyed the whole of the Troy series? I have, right from Paris and running off with Helen. Yeah. Um, all of the Achilles and Hector's battles, mm-hmm. and Agamemnon and Menelaus and Priam, and now, yeah. And new heroes keep emerging. Yeah, and... Key people st- have stepped up at the right time, which I think is important. And all these different people will pop out throughout different myths as well. Like, especially in the Odyssey, there's what happens after all this as well, because ten years afterwards, and yeah. it's kind of like figuring out... It's kind of like a... It's like a reunion, if you know what I mean. Uh, especially in the first part of um, the Odyssey. It's called the Telemacher. Um, and it's about, uh, basically, what happened to these Greek heroes after the war. Yes. So, uh, and it's very interesting. However, we are going to rank the fall of Troy, Dan. And we do it in four categories. Life skills, morals, creativity, and the WTF factor. We mark them out in ten. So, Dan, let's talk about life skills. Life skills. Um, I would... Give it quite hard. Well, you learn how to build a horse. Yeah. A giant, massive wooden horse. Learn how to lie for your teeth. Do you reckon they put a massive wooden horse penis? Did it have wood? <laughs> Do you think they would? You, I think they'd have that attention that's, to do That's how you lever it down. You know, it's like it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a lever system. So you, you're pulling the erect thing and it lets it like a ladder out for the horse. That's quite a good idea. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, uh, Odysseus, who are we going to get to make the horse penis? Simon. <laughs> He's a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. That's pretty good. Um, we learn how to escape a burning city. We learn how to escape. A, well, we learn how to burn down a city to begin with. Yeah. All of that whole, the whole creative side of that was very the creative. Oh, that's, well, it's not really life skills, but learning how to weave a story, sin on and all that. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah, that is a bit um, life skills. Uh, we learn. Um, we learn how to kill family members. How to kill yeah. someone brutally. How to uh, kill someone brutally. How to kill a king. Regicide. Yeah. Oh, also, the thing I didn't mention as well, I think Pyrrhus also went into the temple and killed all the, the ladies, and uh, most, well, most of the ladies inside the temple as oh, well. well. So he, he goes against the gods' wishes as well. He's pretty gross. Uh, and that's called a Pyrrhic victory. That's where the term Pyrrhic victory okay. comes from. It's like a victory, but at what cost? Okay. You know, uh, um, I, I am fascinating. So fascinating. Oh, I don't know how I've been single for so long. Yeah. Because I go into Tinder dates and I'm like, hey, ladies, <laughs> oh, what do you know about classical mythology? And I'm like, uh, kind of like, here's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dog. Incorrect. <laughs> you have a Regis Maximus. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I don't really know what life skills we've learned really other than those. Quite big uh, well, ones, no, though. I think, no, uh, we learned how to sail away. Uh, we learned the war- warfare. It's like sailing away into yeah, that's true. High, like, tactical stuff. We learned how to... Make uh, a hole in your wall to get a... Trojan horse to it. We learn how to be jammy because the gods are on our side, getting lower kill on. Learn how to eat a whole human. Yeah. Uh, learn how to throw a spear. We learn uh, to believe prophets every time they're always right. Um, and we also learnt that um, it's yeah. I guess we learnt to uh, how to read signs yep. in the sky. Um, also learn how to um, become a refugee. That's. <laughs> Yeah, you hate refugees. So. <laughs> Only Syrian. Only Syrian. <laughs> that's a joke, by the way. That's a, that is a, that is a callback. Technically, these guys were Turkish, because Troy's in modern-day Turkey. Well, technically Trojans, because Turkey didn't exist at that point. You know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Seven or eight? Um, I think seven. Okay. Se- what did you, did I think seven. I think it's fair, because yeah. we learned some big stuff, but it wasn't overwhelming. No, but I again, agree. We did learn quite a lot. But then again, yeah. And there's some practical stuff, but also warfare stuff. Why, why not an eight? Well, I think actually an eight because we gave last week a seven. And yeah, this is definitely be- more life than. Okay, morals. Um, 
don't leave someone to uh, take the bait. Um, yeah. Simon. Don't believe everything someone says, i.e. Sinon, yeah. telling everyone about Greek. Don't murder someone who is the cause for the walk is not actually her fault, it's actually the god's fault. Yeah. Don't drag someone through the corpse of their son and then murder them brutally. Don't murder the son in front of the family and don't murder the family as don't well. Don't murder the family. Don't murder women in a temple. Also, if you're watching that whole thing and you could have stopped them at any time, maybe do that, innit? Yeah, It's just true. like, oh no. But then again, Aeneas acts as a, a device to see all these yeah. different things. I suppose uh, the bottom line from things like the Trojan Hog, does it the Trojan Hog? Uh, this whole I, thing. I'm the Trojan whore. This whole thing just explains to us why you should never uh, accept gifts into your home. Uh, never, never trust a Greek, Greek bearing gifts. That's where that term yeah. comes from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never. And that's where xenophobia. That's, that's actually the the manifesto of UKIP yeah. right there. It's just that that this this myths is going to be played at every UKIP meeting from now on. Never. Especially no, that Syrian bit. I think it was pretty mor- morally good. Um, Nothing crazy. Yeah, let's, well, I, uh, I guess you got to own up to your mistakes. Sometimes you've got to, and sometimes you've got to say, say enough's enough and leave and go to a new new place. Yeah. Or think of different tactics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I'm not sure. Five. I think five. Because it's not crazy, but nah, there's, there's a significant five. amount of, di- it's about average. Bang average. Five. Fumph. Cinco. Cease. Um, can you cease doing that? <laughs> oh. Actually, um, it's sank, isn't it? Not cease. I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. I don't know French. Um, and we're bad at math. Um, creativity. I think it's quite creative. Pretty creative, yeah. We're signing the story. Uh, the serpent's coming out, yeah. Uh, destroying the, the wall to get the horse in. Yeah, destroying the wall. Him seeing the stars and... Yeah, and, and the prophecy. Good. The ghost. And the, the the trickery of the armour and stuff like that. Yeah, like that. oh, that's true, all that. Um, what's his face? Pius killing everyone? Yeah, uh, Pyrrhus. Pyrrhus. Pius the murderer. Uh, and the fact that... The, the level of how he killed them as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say an eight there. Eight, I agree. And the WTF actor, the things that make to just go, what? Quite, well, the whole concept of sin and lying is quite messed up. What do you and mean? the serpent's coming out of the water. Yeah, I mean, that's more messed up, but what do you mean? Well, the fact that he's like... That's a bold plan. It's a bold it? plan. Like, he's got some balls like to stand in front of thousands of Trojans and, and say that he's a prisoner and that, you know, all this stuff about the horse and that he's like, no, please, please, I'm on your side. I hate the Greeks. And then... Two hours later, he's letting everyone out of the horse. Yeah. <laughs> and burning their city to the ground. It's nice you think it's only two hours later. It's just like uh, everyone gets hammered in that time. Yeah. Just do some Jaeger bombs, just like that. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think, uh, obviously, in the murder of um, Priam and his family. Priam's Pilates, pretty mental, uh, yeah. Uh, the Pyrrhus. ghost thing's pretty mental. He yeah, his uh, wife is a ghost. ghost. And the fact that Anchises wouldn't leave is pretty weird as yeah. well. I think maybe that... Uh, it's not... I think some there's some gross bits, but not OTT. Um, Six or seven. In my head, I said seven, but I'm not sure why. Maybe a six. Well, it's pretty weird. Uh, we see the fall of the Troy, and it's very brutal. It's very brutal. Uh, it's pretty messed up. Go, and you know what? I'm going to give it a seven because there's gods destroying the city. That's true. I mean? So I'm going to give it because it adds that extra depth to it. That's true. I think, I think so. it's also messed up because I think it's believable that humans would do something like this. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's a good, and also, we also we need to take at face value 
the horse, the idea of the horse is... Very, we know it's a very common thing, but the idea of a wooden horse, that's crazy, you know. That's yes. such an ingenious thing. So, uh, we have eight for life skills, five for morals, eight for creativity, and seven for WTF. And add that all together, it's 28. 28, correct. 28. Not a bad score, that. For all the Troy, better than Achilles 3. Yeah, not bad. So, um, Daniel... Um, how you enjoyed today's myth? Yes, I have. That was a good myth. Yeah. I'm glad. That, I'm kind of glad the Trojan War's over. It's been a good few episodes, but I'm glad we did that. Yeah, and I've learned. I now know much more about the Trojan War. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel happier for. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad we got to finish it. That's our longest project. Uh, you know, because we start up with Hercules and then we moved on to uh, Jason and the Argonauts, and now this is our longest series so far as well. For the time being, wink, wink, winky, wink, wink. And uh, whappity boo boo, doodle doo, chuba ba choo. Are you scatting? Yeah. That's, a, that's an art form in Ingo. Oh, we did the scat episode, didn't we? We did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we next week we got the scatological episode where we just poop on the podcast. Um, Dan, next week, can we tell the uh, listeners what we got planned for the future episodes? Odysseus. Well, that's that's in the future, but oh. I mean, strictly in the next couple of episodes. Do you know what we? Do you know what we're doing? No. <laughs> well, next week and the week afterwards, I believe we are doing uh, Agamemnon and the story. Oh, of, of course we are. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, what happened to him? The Oresteia. The Oresteia, famously an Aeschylus uh, trilogy, and we are going to talk about what happens uh, in that time. Because he wasn't really mentioned at the end, then the Agamemnon. No, the um, king of tr- Greece. But he, we, we missed out some bits and pieces which allude to the story, and we are going to tell the story of Agamemnon and the tragedy. That his house come from. Agamemnon is from the house of Prelops. Yes, which and we is, and yes. we know why. And his his whole family lineage is cursed because of mm. Prelops, didn't he? See, they? it's all linked together, yeah. isn't it? Because in in the ancient Greek times, there's only five people around, so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, everyone's connecting to everything. So, uh, Daniel, do you know what I want to do right now? What. I would love to tweet about how good this podcast is. How how could I do that? If you want to do that, Matt, I would recommend going on. Uh, well, I would uh, hashtag. Um, you could go to our handle at Miss Podcast. Yes, and tweet us some praise. Tell tweet us what you praise. think about it if it's positive. Yeah, or you could give us five stars on iTunes. No, that's a requirement. Uh, I said that in a weird way. You did. Um, that's a requirement. Requirement. Uh, apparently, got a list. Uh, <laughs> requirement. That sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just do it. <laughs> just, uh, please give us five stars on iTunes. We really appreciate that. And or you can email us. Email us. Tell us what you think. We would love to get in touch with you. And uh, misspodcast at gmail And if you don't email us, we're going to email you. And how we're going to email you? We're going to try all the emails in the world. So I don't know who you are, but like, if you just please don't block us. <laughs> yeah, please, please. Uh, but if you. I want to get in touch with us or ask for a certain myth you want to have a read out or you want to tell tell us a story or if you want to um, just say how much you like the podcast that'd be really really appreciative as well so and on top of that um, if you want to see uh, me live because I am a stand-up comedian if I, <laughs> if, I, if, I, if, I if I haven't already showed it to you <laughs> Dan you're supposed to laugh uh, oh sorry I'm funny Dan's seen me live quite a lot I have a bit at least four times I'm I'm good, aren't I? You're very good, yeah. You should see my friend show. That's probably the best I've ever been. Yeah. Um, but I uh, I I'm doing a lot of shows in um, awesome and uh, in the winter. So if you would like to see me, go on my website and I'm at matthoscomedy.com. Uh, I'm doing a lot of festivals. For example, 
I am doing the Nottingham, Nottingham Comedy Festival. Nottingham, hello Nottingham. Nottingham Comedy Festival. So if you want to come along and um, uh, eat some goulash. Shout out to Charlotte, who's probably going to go. Yeah, please, Charlotte, if you'd, please be my only audience member, please. Uh, um, it'd be great to have you along. And uh, and also, I'm up and down the country a lot. I also run my own uh, vegan comedy gigs, uh, which isn't as wanky as it sounds. And I It's uh, worse. <laughs> yeah, it's all It's so sanctimonious. In fact, you know what? If you're actually worried about, if you think it's going to be like a, a weird night out, check out our four-star review because the four-star review kind of, it's a meat-eater's perspective on it. And we still got four stars as well. So it's basically just a silly comedy club. And you can come and see me and support that up and down the country. We literally do gigs from Edinburgh all the way down to Kent. So anything, if, uh, we, that's our only two gigs. But no, no, but you can uh, come along. We do loads of gigs and we're great to see you. And Dan's going to come along to a couple, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to come along to at least zero to one gigs. <laughs> Dan always bails last minute. It's like, oh, can I not go to your 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 gig? I'm like, fine, but my heart breaks. Uh, but then again, not really. I'm I'm actually very capable, so I don't need you, Dan. There was a time I asked if you wanted that gig in Kingston. I said I'd come, but then you said it was sold out, so I couldn't. That's not the story, Dan. What, what it was was, I can't really be bothered to go. Is that all right if I don't go? I said, that's fine, because we're sold out, so... That's basically what happened, yeah. yeah. So, but there's a diff- no, you, you you wasn't sold out, so you weren't allowed to go. That's a different story. I asked Matt for tickets, but he said it was sold out. So, well, actually, some people didn't turn up, so you could have come. Oh. So, anyway, um, enough of our bitching. Uh, Dan, I I love you, so I will go now. But um, uh, can you say some inspirational, heartwarming to finish this episode? To, so that the listeners can hold their heart for a whole week, you know, and wait till the next episode. Something that they can cherish for a long time. If you learn anything from today's podcast, um, it's that if your Troy is burning, be it your job, your love life, um, maybe even your car. Uh, <laughs> if you're, let's say, for example, your car, your car can't change into a second. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh, right. Then, um, no, whatever your Troy is, if it's burning, let it go. It's okay to move to, the, to your Tiber, to your own. Be an Aegeus and move on. Um, and it's okay to start a new chapter in your life like these guys did. Get in the gym, boat, sail away. Sail away. Um, Should take you about 25 so years. So what we're saying is, if something's on fire, let it be. Let it be. <laughs> so if your house is on fire, just let it's it be. Fine. And also, don't let um, don't let prizes into your home. If someone offers you something, don't let it into your home because it will probably have little people inside that will come out and ruin your lives. Sleep well tonight, guys. <laughs> Sleep well. Good night, guys. Bye. 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 Miss.